0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Volta Knowledge. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us here for another episode of the program. Today, we're going to be talking to Greg Crumpton alongside Dennis Carusis, and we're going to be talking a little bit about their relationship. Why does someone like Greg, coming from a different company, have a relationship with someone like Dennis, and how are they working together? What sort of value is Volta Insight providing uh, for uh, for Greg Crumpton and for Service Logic? So we're going to talk about all these things here on the podcast today. So Greg and Dennis, welcome.
1: Hey, Tyler. Thanks, Tyler. Glad Thanks. to be here.
0: So, Dennis, you made an appearance on Greg's podcast straight out of Crumpton. So I think it's only fair, like the shoe is on the other foot now. Greg's got to come on and, you know, repay the favor to a certain extent. And we appreciate that for sure. <laughs> well, I, it, it, it's certainly
2: left. not a its not a heavy lift, Tyler. Uh, you know, Dennis uh, is an easy fellow to like and talk about. So I'm always glad to
1: help any way we can. You are too kind. You're, you're, you're fun to hang out with too.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, this is just a warm and, uh, a warm and fuzzy podcast. Uh, but, but Dennis, tell us a little bit about how the two of you got acquainted and kind of met and kind of formed a relationship.
1: Yeah. So I think it was 2013, if I'm not uh, mistaken, Greg, um, I I was doing a consulting gig out in California with a little startup. Um, and Greg was introduced to that startup at some point through another colleague of ours, mutual colleague, and um, we started talking a bit, we hit it off, and then at some point, we actually did a little startup together um, that's been rather successful as well, Um, Adam Power, um, I think we can mention it, it's not a big deal, so. Uh, Greg was involved uh, in the early early days of Adam Power. Um, he was an evangelist. He went out there. He uh, you know, spread the word on Adam Power. and uh, Adam Power is what it is today because of, you know, the the whole team effort of everyone involved. So um, that's how we got we got to know each other,
2: yeah, it's hard to believe. Dennis, I was I was looking at a calendar today talking about some stuff that happened in the past. And it's hard to believe that's been eight plus
1: years or I had eight years now. Uh, so, yeah, yes, yeah, it is very hard to believe. Um, I think there's a quote I might be Bill Gates or somebody. Um, you what is it? You overestimate what you can achieve in a year and you totally underestimate what can, you can achieve in 10. So um, things are coming along. I don't know. Life's good. We'll, Life's good, we'll,
2: man. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it like it comes at us for sure.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So Greg, ba- battery and energy storage technology isn't something that, um, that maybe you would consider yourself an expert in, or maybe you do, and I'm just totally off base here, but but what kind of drove your interest in, in learning more about uh, about Volta and learning more about what Dennis uh, and his team does?
2: Tyler, I think if you trace my my crazy career back, Far enough, you, you see that I've always been involved in data centers and mission critical operations. So having the, the mechanical you know, piece in my brain's easy because that's what I'm supposed to do. But uh, its counterpart has always been energy uh, and whether it be generation or storage for the data center, which is uh, to Dennis, Dennis alluded to the fact that I got introduced to the startup because of that purpose. Uh, through open compute, we were looking at different ways to power servers. Um, so I, I, it's not that far of a leap if you stay in that data center mindset. And then I think furthermore, just because I'm interested in technology, it, it was really easy to stay involved with Dennis uh, in particular because of what he's done in his career. Uh, if you if you look up Dennis, uh, You'll, you'll see that he's done some interesting stuff in microelectronics and, you know, what he's doing now with Volta just kind of is, is almost an expected route unexpectedly because of the technology that he's been able to, to bring to the uh, forefront. So just a kind of a mechanical interest and a human interest and then, you know, just the technology piece
1: overall. Through chaos, there is order. (laughs) That's that's what I was in that, what I just kind of said. I think so. That's what you were alluding to. That's awesome. I'm just thinking of my uh, last 10 years. Now, hold on, 13 years of entrepreneurship. And I I must admit, it's been chaos, but some order has come out of it. So, yeah, appreciate that. (laughs) Appreciate the accolades.
0: So, Dennis. Give us your perspective on this uh, on this relationship, then, and and uh, a little bit more just about the the benefit uh, of knowing someone like Greg. Obviously, you work together at Adam Power and and that sort of thing. What sorts of things can, can someone like Greg bring to the table in, in this context?
1: Well, Greg's always been uh, a little knowledgeable in the business space, so I, I I think of him a little bit as a mentor, um, even though I don't talk to him as much as probably I should. I think he's seen the world from, um, you know, from the business standpoint of getting doing customer service, um, going through uh, an acquisition for sure, um, and then continuing on in that role um, as he has been with Service Logic to look at new technology. So I think there's many aspects of where Greg can help a guy like me. Um, on vision, on strategy, and even some day-to-day stuff, quite honestly. So that's why we still hang out.
2: Yeah. You, you know, Tyler, if you think about <clears throat> what uh, Dennis said, uh, what, what Dennis was saying was I'm old and I've been around and seen a lot of stuff <laughs> and I'm totally I good. All, right. I, did, I didn't say <laughs> <laughs> I, experience, I experience, seasoned, whatever word we care to use, you know, when, when you're an entrepreneur and you go through these different phases of your career and phases of your company, and then how do you take your company and, and make it scale to a bigger platform? I think just having somebody who's got the scar tissue of having been through it is helpful. Even if I can't help Dennis with his particular vision or his particular uh, scalability, there's still things that carry, you know, through any event. And, and that's, you know, diligence, resilience, all of those words that are all those verbs that you have to have. And I think just having somebody that's been through it as a sounding board is helpful. And then how do you take the technology that you're developing, that he's developing, Bolt is developing and apply it to other uh, verticals within a similar but a little bit siloed uh environment
1: i think that's yeah that's oh, that's, that's pretty re- accurate yeah <laughs> absolutely that's pretty accurate
2: well if if you think about it, you know we talked about uh me being at service logic and what what we have is a a a playground for people like Dennis to come in and and to figure out where we could Lay their technology into our customer base and try to figure out what's best for the customer. We know that Dennis's technology is sound; it's proven. He's got major clients who rely on his technology day to day and continue to invest in themselves through Volta by applying the technology, saving themselves downtime, money out of out of uh, off schedule repairs, what have you. But I think if you look at it from a contractor standpoint, from my view, what we're able to do is to take our customer and we actually share some customers. So we're trying to figure out that piece. But there are customers out there that need the technology uh, that Volta brings to the table. And because it's uh, maybe outside their normal view of what HVAC and machine maintenance looks like, they don't know about it. So I think it's incumbent for companies like ours to always be looking for ways to introduce new technology to our clients so that we could show them the bolt of technology in a way that, that it, sure, it expands Dennis's platform, but it also gives our customer base uh, another tool, another uh, piece of mind, a piece of peace of mind of how to make their company
1: better. Yeah, absolutely. And and along those lines, I think, uh, Greg, we haven't spoken in a while. Um, we've actually done a couple of pilots here in Toronto um, in hospitals on critical ventilation systems um, that I wanted to reach out and talk to you about because I think now we're starting to see a very specific application um, where you know the technology really brings value to the customer um these things go down and you know the hospitals have to shut down entire floors potentially um so um yeah there there is some value there to the customer if you were able to predict or at least schedule maintenance in advance um without having downtime that happens during peak hours or a peak emergency let's call it so um, yeah and I think that's key, Dennis. I think
2: the, the as we're hopefully on the tail end of our COVID life, you know, we're we're getting back to where COVID is just going to be a part of our life and we have to figure out how to interact with it. Indoor air quality, outdoor air, fresh air, however you are using ventilation is going to always hereforward be a concern. And I think when you have a facility, whether it be healthcare, whether it be higher ed, whatever you're doing uh, that, that requires ventilation, requires monitoring of ventilation, it's going to be ever present that we have to be aware. And Volta allows you to do that. As you said, it, it's fans and, and, and air moving devices are mechanical, therefore they are going to break down and or going to have to have maintenance. If you can do all that at your schedule as opposed to the schedule of the motor god, it's just going to be better from a cost standpoint, from a scheduling standpoint, and from quite honestly, an inconvenience standpoint to staff, you know, volunteers, whatever you're doing, whatever the people are doing. It just makes sense to have that information available now that, you know, we've evolved to the point of actually uh, being able to afford it. Uh, being able to understand it and utilize it.
1: Indeed. Question, Greg. Um, Do you guys keep statistics, because you have a, service logic is massive, right? Do you keep statistics of um, events by the motor gods that happen? Um, How often do they happen for facilities and so forth? Um, do Do you have a, some analytics associated with that?
2: Probably not, probably not on the grand scale. Dennis, we do, you know, companies do, but we have 45. Well, we have 47 companies as of last Friday. We have uh, that many different ways of counting and, and taking that census data. Um, it, it would be really interesting to see how many failures occur uh, in, in uh, quote unquote bad times most of them, you know, it's usually not, hey, it's Sunday morning. Uh, Nobody's here. I think I'm going to quit acting right as a motor. It's usually it's uh, Monday morning at 1030 AM when the house is packed, you know, Uh, and I think those tools are so freaking important as we go forward in in our technical lives and our and, and just work lives to be able to quit impacting people with stuff that we can prevent. And I mean, it really comes down to that simple of a fact for me. We've got the data. It's not hard to get the data. So let's use it. And uh, I think, you know, I was writing a piece this morning for a friend and, you know, our industry, our HVAC industry has been like knuckle dragging slow to change, to adopt to technology. We We are getting there yeah, we're making progress. Yeah, we're a long way from where you know ideally that thinking about volta and the technology available coming into us should be like a no-brainer. We're not there yet. It's still something that we have to think about. But if, if we start thinking about our inputs and uh, uh, agglomerating those inputs so that we can maximize the the end user experience, it's just going to make things better. And I think how you're doing it, Dennis, is it, to me, uh, you know, it was grassroots. You you got out and you proved the technology before you started touting the technology. So it wasn't unlike a lot of o, other OEMs. You're not asking the contractor to do the R&D for you. Uh, you've actually done it and you've proven that it works. Uh, and now you're able to scale because of the proof. Uh, the inverse happens for a lot of people. We we say it's great and wonderful. You get it. And then you're the R&D monkey out there on the rooftop or in the boiler room. Um, I think the approach that you, you've taken allows companies like ours to say this is proven. We don't have to go and, and kind of keep your fingers crossed and hope it
1: works. So I, I love that approach, by the way it's been a few years in the making for sure um we did do some i guess r&d monkeys um in the early days um but i think we <laughs> we knew it yeah we we didn't we didn't lie about it um we were very transparent um this is this is this is what we expect to see um this is what the theory says and we're going to go out and if you work with us we'll get you the results um luckily we had a couple of visionary companies that um were able to sign on um or forward thinking maybe um and they believed in us and you know here we are today um luckily and and to be quite honest we're still building the tool um you know the the tool has come a long way in the last three or four years um but you know we're constantly developing because we're engineers and you know we like to do things better and make them more efficient so i don't think we're ever going to get to a stage where okay we're we're one and done right um i think we're always going to be evolving um and along those lines i uh, offline i have a couple of ideas to talk to you about uh, but anyway i i think we can do a lot of things better um, especially in the VFD motor space and how everything gets controlled today, um, I think Volta can play a very significant role um, in a lot of that, and and it's actually something that we've proven with our customer uh, deployments. So uh, we'll talk about that offline.
2: Well, maybe we can talk about it when I come up and visit, and we go to that cool restaurant you took me to last time. So, um, you know. Um, I, I, the, the VFD market to me is really interesting. Uh, and to your point, you know, you can't evolve to a point and then stop because right about the time you stop this big, heavy locomotive hits you from the rear and you never see it coming. So obviously we have to keep moving it down the train track. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a practitioner of the Kaizen method. You know, you, you build it, you tweak it, you measure it, you build it, you tweak it, you measure it, you keep, you keep going. And I I think that always having, you know, you said it's an engineer's mindset. I also think it's a a utilitarian mindset, too, because you always want to to have the products that you're investing in as a customer or as a contractor. You want those things evolving so that you always have something new to go talk to your crowd about. You know, if I go to a hospital and I've got two year old technology technology. So what? You know, you got old technology. You always have to have something that because every customer, you think about it in my, in my findings, every customer that I have ever had a long-term relationship with have always had some weirdo buried in the company somewhere, usually in engineering or facilities or operations that loves this kind of stuff, you know, and, once we connect with our mutual weirdos, we're able to keep products moving, because the, if you think about a company, uh, Acme you know amble company, there's always somebody in there always wanting to make the amble a little bit stronger, a little bit lighter, a little bit more something. And I think if we can find those people that uh, to connect with, this kind of technology really resonates with that crowd. It's not the salespeople typically because they're selling a product and and our kind of technology has to be embedded in the product. They're not looking for ways to make the product better typically. Um, So I think anytime we can can connect with people who are are like-minded and want to move the product, uh, and I think you've done that in some of your installations, always trying to find that person to make the product better from their point of view, not Volta's, but how does it help XYZ company? That's when you're really building a strong, uh, long-term relationship that's mutually
1: beneficial. I I can attest to that. Absolutely. So that's been our motto. I mean, I can't say from day one because I didn't know the lesson, um, but it's something that we've adopted over the years. Um, and creating value for the customer ultimately is maybe the customer doesn't always know what they want but if you point them in the right direction then they'll tell you um and if you listen to that feedback then they'll just keep coming back for more right um and then you know you you synergize i i hate that's such a business word but you ultimately synergize um, and you create maximum value quite realistically for both sides um, the value, the value for the customer comes first, but then as a company, because you've done that for your customer, now you can go out there and deploy it to the rest of the world as well. Right. So, um, it's just being able to cooperate and come to some kind of, um, you know, optimized point of working relationship where both sides benefit and you just keep moving forward and you keep making better products. Right. And everyone's happy. So yeah, I agree with that.
2: Yeah, I, I think a lot of that, t- Tyler. Uh, I see you about to jump in, but I just wanted to, to real quickly say that to me, Dennis, in your background, you know, of, of being highly educated uh, but practical at the same time, which is kind of a rare combination in my in my history to find people like you that have a PhD but can still go out and have a beer with and communicate normally. Um, having the educational mindset when you're talking with a customer as opposed to always selling, you know, like what are we trying to get to? Um, and if you're trying to get to uptime, you're trying to get to resilience, you're trying to get to un- unexpected emergencies, having that, uh, that educational themed mindset, I-, I find goes a long way as well. And I think you've demonstrated
1: that as well. So that was it. Sorry, right, Tyler. I'm blushing. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I I, I want to follow up but, on that. But I know.
1: learned from some of the best mentors. How about that? There you go.
0: So, Dennis, tell us about why education is such an important thing for for you and for Volta Insight. You know what? What do you hope people learn and, and know about the industry and about you know uh, about the trends that you see that make Volta Insight such a valuable thing for businesses and for companies?
1: So, I think. Um, going down this realm of predictive maintenance monitoring and so forth um let's call it iot for critical assets um i think people uh, there's a couple of problems right one is traditionally you always had that one guy in a facility um, that knew how everything functioned and that guy would be a lifer Um, i think that has changed Um, I think a lot of people change jobs now, um, whether you're an electrician or engineer, it doesn't matter. You hop around, you get new experiences. Um, so you'll never have that one particular person that knows everything within a facility. Um, so I think it's important to have that level of data and monitoring, um, for your critical assets, um, in order to have like a baseline and an understanding of how everything functions, right? Um, the next piece is, you know, I, I think, and this applies to any type of professional um, job, uh, let's call it, or career, um, you always need to be learning, right? Um, so I think predictive maintenance, if you look back 10 years ago, was something totally new um, in the electrical space, at, at the very least, Um now it's something that people talk about. Um, it's gone out there. It's made it to a lot of different uh, conferences, uh, forums. You know, there are the vocabulary for predictive maintenance is out there. Um, and people have learned about it. And I think it's just a matter of time before there's mass adoption, quite honestly. And part of that is just education. I think everyone's learning together. Um, In their career paths, technology has enabled, the internet has enabled a lot of learning for everybody, right? Um, And I think just society as we move forward um, is becoming much more aware, uh, which is highly helpful for us and our solution because, hey, predictive maintenance. um, Ten years ago, no one knew about it. Today, they're they're talking about it. So, um, you know, always be learning, like I say, and hopefully we can help you in that process.
2: That's yes, Well said, Dennis. I, you know, when I think about predicted maintenance of days gone by <clears throat> mostly in, in the HVAC world where I live, it was, it was vibration analysis. It was uh, maybe some bearing run out. It was some, some quite honestly tools that by the time you picked it up, it may have been too late anyway, predictive. Um, but, what I've learned the last couple of years, you know, in in, re, in regard to what you're doing, real useful diagnostic data, uh, people are, are moving toward sound imaging. You know, we're listening to devices that are running as opposed to measuring vibration only and comparing that to, you know, what, what does a good bearing sound like? Our friends at DST do that. Um, And then the information you're providing and I'll I'll always remember when you first showed me uh, Volta and it was about a pump down in a well uh, and how deep those pumps are submerged and what it takes to extract a pump and replace a pump, especially in a crisis when you're not on a planned outage. Um, that really stood out to me and to be able to know from, I mean, if you think about it from a from a revenue standpoint, you're going to be out of revenue during this window from uh, extra labor cost incurred, you're going to a, a, a require during this window. All of that stuff that you can plan, not just having the darn pump on hand. That's kind of a no brainer at this point, but all the different Pieces of the equation that a planned outage offsets or at least controls uh, versus a, a out of a calendar or off calendar event is huge. You know, overtime, uh, shipping, you know, all that stuff that that anything with a 911 attached to it always costs a lot more. Um, so I really think that that's where the predictive tool uh should be embraced and probably is being embraced by larger uh, and or smarter clients. Is that they see that cost impact of an outage as a lot more than just do we have the pump on hand? So the well the well image really
1: stood out for me for that. So and, and you have a good memory. I'm I'm glad. Um, I don't I don't know if you recall the conclusion of that, but we were able to predict effectively within 30 days um a pump failure for those uh and we actually got pretty good at it uh by the end of it so um yeah that's if you if you are able within 30 days to get an idea as to when your pump is failing um and you're able to schedule everything um to get it done in a day and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg um that's huge savings and savings in and cost of replacement and savings in the actual uh, downtime that you hopefully was minimized for that replacement.
2: You know, I know that that example was, was in, uh, I think it was oil pumping if I recall, but if you think about any mission critical operation, uh, if you're pumping chilled water in a hospital, or you're pumping hot water in a hospital, if you're pumping cooling water in a small nuclear reactor, all of those things are mission critical and anytime you could you know that my, my memory eight years ago or whatever it was of the of the oil pump is one thing but if you think about how many layers that mission critical touches you know i i, I remember years ago working in a frito-lay uh factory where they make Lay's potato chips outside of the atlanta market and understanding that the hydraulic lift where they dump those potatoes into the pit that lift was mission critical to that team you know for us it was potato chips you go to the store there's you know a gabillion bags of potato chips but for that shift that that quarter that plant manager that lift to pick up that 18-wheeler, to dump it, that's mission critical. And when you can control that environment, because there was a pump driving that hydraulic uh, pump or a uh, motor, all of that stuff to me just really comes to the frontal lobe. Look at what you could save uh, through
1: a predictive tool like the Volta tool. Uh, yeah, so it's pumps, it's uh, mixers. um I don't want to disclose too much <laughs> with, with equipment on one, uh, one of our biggest customers, but um, even an application, for example, um, years ago, I think I was in a movie theater and all the lights shut down because they had a transformer problem. Um, you know, the, the applications, uh, you can run wild with all the applications. Uh, it's all about data, right? Having data on your electrical infrastructure. Being able to access that data and understand quickly what just happened um, is invaluable, quite honestly. I've been to sites, and part of why we started Volta Insights um, was because I was on a site. There was a particular problem with a backup generator um, running a VFD, a massive backup generator running a massive VFD, um, and the VFD would kick out um and then all the electricians showed up and they all had an opinion but no one had any data as to you know what's going on so um you know we actually went through the process we had oscilloscopes we set up some tests and we got the data we solved the problem and you know the amount of equipment that was required to figure this out was you know quite expensive and a lot um and that's why we started building volta insight imagine you had a monitoring tool that could do all these things with a relatively low cost hardware um and you could access it remotely so engineers and people who actually know the system can look at it uh in real time can save tremendous amount of time effort and even replacement costs because in that particular scenario the maintenance manager was being quoted a solution for two hundred thousand dollars and we solved it with a couple of hundred bucks right so um you know like having access to that data and understanding the the electrical system and how it actually operates is invaluable ultimately so yeah
2: I think that that kind of data, and, and this was proven out in the atom power ongoing experiment of looking at voltage and power incoming early and being able to mitigate problems uh, before it hits your equipment it is just super. And I mean, it's just cool to me, A, that every, that things, you know, our our time stamps are in one second increments as humans. We think about a one second, Seems like a really brief amount of time to a human. But in your world, Dennis, that's like, you know, a freaking light year because you've got so many opportunities to, to measure, to interrupt, to derail, to act, and then reapply to solve a problem that the average bear never knew was even a problem. And that to me is really cool.
1: Yeah, and what I think Greg is alluding to, um, and I think we can talk about it openly because it's all patented at this point and it's out there uh, in the patents. Um, specifically for atom power, when you go to make a solid state circuit breaker, um, and now you're controlling um, the electrons in microsecond speed or nanosecond speed, um, when you identify a short circuit condition, you can actually open that. Um, Circuit breaker uh, within like 50 or 80 microseconds, including analysis, including figuring out that this is actually a short circuit condition and we need to open. You can reclose, retest. You can do a whole bunch of cool stuff uh, to ensure that you know this this is actually a short circuit and we need to open. And it's all done so quickly that. Uh, it's the safest circuit breaker in the world right even though adam power has gone down the ev charging side but um, yeah the, there's huge benefits when you start looking at the power electronics um and to a certain extent what volta insight's been doing recently um we have been monitoring vfds and we've actually not only finding faults um on the motor side uh we're also looking at faults happening from the VFDs, whether it's programming, uh, wrong parameters, whether the VFD is actually um stuck in some type of control loop, an algorithmic uh problem. Um they're not they don't happen often, but when they do, especially with larger equipment, it becomes an absolute nightmare um, for these facilities. Um, and we're actually able to look at that data and say, "Well, look, it's it's your VFD. Swap out the VFD, and you'll you'll be back in business, or change the parameters." Right? Um, it's a very useful tool. So,
2: and VFD for the rest of the world is variable frequency drive. It's basically a controller that controls the speed of the electrical motor. Um, we talk about it like it's uh, routine for everybody, and assuming. We have a whole lot of people that are listening to this podcast, Dennis, that are really, really smart. But uh, I don't want to leave out that VFD crowd either. So.
0: so, so Dennis, take us into the future. Then, where, where do you see Volta continuing to develop and grow? And, and how does uh, you know a partnership and a relationship with someone like Greg continue to grow and develop and, and benefit both Service Logic and Volta into the future?
1: So we are looking at a roadmap of reducing our hardware costs, making it more of an enterprise software solution um, whereby we can deploy on i would uh, let's call it less critical items that are just as important possibly. Um, but I think one of our challenges up to now have been um, the overall implementation cost um it's an expensive system i i recognize that Um, people are hesitant Um, if we are able to reduce the hardware costs i think we can become ubiquitous uh, within the electrical industry um so that that's that's really our goal um and as we look to lower the hardware costs we're going to also be developing continue to develop our fault library uh make that a lot more um impressive robust add more features to it understand more um and part of that you know internally we don't call it ai we we call it another ai automated intelligence Um, effectively we can take the engineer out of the equation um with our fault library and say this is what you need to look at um and what a lot of people may not understand for Volta Insight, we have all these measuring points, we call them nodes. Um, Those nodes are actually able to communicate amongst themselves through the cloud. Uh, We're able to see entire transients, um, you know, through a facility and that helps tremendously in the diagnostic side. Um, So, you know, we can do a lot. Um, we'll continue to grow the tool, um, but one of our targets is definitely to reduce the cost so that we can um, get a lot more deployments out there and and help our customers.
2: Dennis, uh, along the lines of potential future, what, whatever you want to call it, um, do you see uh, Volta Insights being embedded in OEM equipment? So. If you wanted to buy a piece of hardware, could you check the box and say, yes, I want Volta Insights
1: included? That's been one of our internal um, uh, items on on the roadmap. Um, I don't want to get into too many details. We've actually thought about uh, potentially making our own chipsets so that. You know, possibly this could be something that is off the shelf for VFD manufacturers. I think there would be value there. Um, it's early. We'll see how that all works out. But yes, um, that would be ideal, right? That would be ideal.
2: Well, you know, if you think about it from a consumer standpoint, which I always try to do because at the core, you know, service logic, we are contractors and we buy stuff. And to me, the the more we can buy in the box, you know, the the Intel inside mentality, um, as opposed to having it either be field installed or bolted on after the fact. You can integrate it early into the design, and then integrate it into your control scheme or your your you know SCADA, whatever you're doing. The more you can do early and often, with fewer purchase orders written, the
1: better,
2: you know? So just that's
1: that. why you you and I need to have a follow-up talk because it's been a while. <laughs> so I have some no. ideas with regards to that, um how we could actually um really ramp this up.
2: Well I look forward to
1: that, Tyler. So, you uh, won't be uh, there, Tyler. <laughs> Sorry, Tyler, you won't be on that <laughs> one. Can I just come? But, but you know? you'll be on the on the one after it's been implemented. How about okay. That?
0: Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. On the on the follow up podcast episode to the meeting following the previous podcast episode. Right. Greg yeah. and Dennis
2: three Yes. Exactly.
0: Right. Exactly. Well, guys, this has been a, a really great conversation. Um, these are always so much fun to have because uh you just start going and then the next thing you know you look up and uh and we've been talking for a while now. And uh so it's been an absolute pleasure getting a chance to have both of you on. Greg Crumpton of Service Logic, Dennis Carusis from Volta. Uh guys, it's been a pleasure.
1: Tyler, thank you.
0: Uh, Tyler, always
2: good. It, it's it's so much fun to get to talk about, you know, current and how that blends into the future. So cool. So thank you for having us and, and arranging this and Dennis always great to see you, buddy.
1: Great to see you, Greg. We'll talk soon.
0: And everybody out there, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Volta Knowledge. We appreciate it very much. Of course, for more, visit the Volta Knowledge podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts these days, you can find Volta Knowledge. You can also find it by visiting the Volta website as well. So make sure to do that, to learn more, to stay up to date with the latest, uh, and to get more involved and get more in-depth in the topics that we discussed here today. And stay tuned. We'll be back soon with more episodes, maybe the follow-up episode between Dennis and Greg here in the near future. But for this one today... For Dennis Carousis and Greg Crumpton, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you next time.